Good evening. Welcome to another episode of Out of Your League, the Super League podcast. We are delighted this evening to be joined by Lee Radford, current Castleford Tigers head coach, fellow East Hullian. Hullian, is that a thing? Hullensian. Hulster. The East Hulster. Lee Radford. Uh, Rad, it's good to have you over in Manchester. How are you, Thank you how, for having me. Yeah, how how are you feeling being outside of the districts of Hull for... Very good. I've worn my attire, just so everybody knows. Just, just in case, just in case, case anybody recognises me. And he looks yeah. cool as well with it, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. Well, you can't, that. What you can't see, it's got coach written on the Coach Rad has written on the back, which is what you can't see. Yeah, saving so. that for Friday. Saving <laughs> the Coach Radders for Friday. So you, it, we're in the middle of a heatwave, Radders. So just a bit of context. You, you've been out with the boys training today. Yeah, we had um, recovery today. So the, the the lads obviously that had not played and the lads that, you know, we have got plenty in the injury room at the moment. So they've done their bits, but the majority of them have just done recovery today and, and a bit of review from um, Saturday's game, um, you know, which obviously was, was big for us and big for a lot of the boys as well. So um, it was a it was a positive one. Yeah, so we'll get into, you know, Castleford and, and where you are now. But I thought what would be interesting is is we hear a lot about your sort of coaching career and your playing career. But let's get right back to the the start of who was Lee Radford as a as a, as a kid. Like, what was your childhood like? Uh, it was a Branzonian. So he was off Branzone. Yeah. He was forever in bother, I think. Um, For people who don't know, Branz describe Branzone, because um, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, but. so it's it's the... I think it's still the biggest housing estate in um, in Europe. I think it's got the, one of the highest criminal records as well up there. So it's a, it's a, it's it's a salt of the earth place, but it's it's a tough estate. I think I think you could describe it as that. And as you know, there's been some fantastic players, obviously, to come from that area as well. Um, and and rugby league back then was was really big then. So I'd gone on holiday as a I think it was. 10 year old and met the coach of Cot Tigers who was sat on the same can we used to go on a bus to a starting yeah. so we unfortunately got sat next to me and, and managed to bend my ear and go and play for Cottingham Tigers which is obviously the other side of all um, you know and I'll be for, forever grateful for my dad for obviously shuttling me up there every Tuesday Thursday and um, that's how Lee Radford got involved in rugby league I think and were you were you into school at that age, what 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 were you like as a as a sort of young kid? No, I was I was sport. I think just in general, I couldn't I couldn't stand school. Um, football, I loved football, um, and I really enjoyed boxing as well. So um, and anything to to keep me on the street was was pretty much where I was at. And sport was an out was it an outlet for you, or was it or was it something that you were naturally were you, were you this big when you were a kid? No, no, I had a late I had a late spurt, um, but I, but I really enjoyed it. I was quite I think I am quite competitive, so well, whatever it was, um, I was pretty competitive at. But like I say, fo probably football was my first love, um, and unfortunately I became a rugby league player. There's so many rugby league players that were just uh, frustrated footballers who never made it, weren't they? Is that but you? That's you, Foss? Hundred percent, me. Yeah. <laughs> you just get a football hour training, and everyone would go mad, wouldn't they? They'd love <laughs> yeah. it. But do you reckon sport was kind of a bit of way of getting you on the straight and narrow and away from maybe getting into bother a little bit? Or I, do you do both? No, I think so. Definitely later on at 15, 16, when a couple of the, the kids I was knocking about was getting in bother, I think it definitely, I um, I drifted towards and gravitated towards the rugby instead of, you know, what was going on socially. But it, but like I said, as a, it was anything to keep you out. I loved yeah. being out on the, on the street, no matter what you was doing. I loved being out on the street. I think 
that's probably something that's probably changed a little bit in society. Yeah. You know, you don't you don't have to leave your bedroom to hang about with your mates anymore. Which mm. for us dinosaurs, we can't get our heads around that. Yeah, that's true. And why were you attracted to to the sport and not the? Because when you say like the other things, what what we're talking about here is is girls drink, you know, anti-social bits, being out and about, and it? it's just just being out and about. Yeah, it, just it, just gen, you know. But what was it? What was it that? Why, why sport at that point? Because a lot of people don't choose sport at that point, don't they? Yeah, do you know, I don't, I don't, it's probably the same reasons. Now I just, I enjoy physically being active. I enjoyed whether it was running away from somebody or... or <laughs> a police or, yeah, the, yeah, maybe, yeah, but, or running towards somebody. In the case of rugby league, it was whatever it was. I enjoyed the, I reckon the physical element of it. Um, and I enjoyed being out. I couldn't stand being in there, you know, I, twitchy feet when I sat at home unfortunately do you recognise any of that flash you know for you growing up as in you, you chose sport didn't you at a young age but yeah. what was it that drove you to choose I would, it I, when Radis said it was competitiveness it was same for me I was everything I played or took part in I wanted to win and when you can you know concentrate that all that energy towards a sport that's that's what you live for then isn't it and I was never the best and probably similar to Radis like a late developer um, so I think you know that competitive ebb makes you want to train, makes you, make, makes you want to be better. And if you've got role models in your life that can show you the way, my dad and older cousins and stuff probably were a big reason for that. Myself, I think it just yeah, channels all that energy in, in a positive direction, doesn't it? Yeah, and and you know you, you spoke about this Cot Tigers coach who you bumped into on a, <laughs> on a coach holiday, um, and your dad and the commitment. How important were they? The main role models. Do you think in 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 um, putting you on that path? Yeah, I think so. I think at that time, definitely. My dad was probably your stereotype that it don't matter what you did, it was never quite quite good. Yeah, you yeah. know, quite good enough. I think that was um, that that was a common theme. But that's that again a generational thing. I think that you you, you accepted the criticism. You, Funny, we had this conversation. So when when I played bad, and I'm sure you two have been in the same position, you'd get in the car and you won't speak to you. <laughs> and I can remember, I remember playing a Yorkshire Cup semi-final once. I think it was in late. I had a full hour and a half, and he didn't say one word. It was the most <laughs> uncomfortable car I've ever been involved with. But you know, when you think back and you think, well, that's what maybe social so, services yeah, get involved yeah, now, yeah, aren't they? Dad, you know? if you're watching, I'm <laughs> sorry. He's been bullied. He's been bullied. He speak to him. Some hour people, hour. yeah. When you speak to the players that have coached, they'll all say that's a common theme with me as well. So. I like the negative and, and very and if and if you're not in my office you're going all right. Yeah, and was it tough love then? Rather? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, but uh, but you know one I'm really appreciative of definitely. Yeah. And what about you, Mark? You know that home environment for you. Your dad, you obviously no, well, we spoke we speak about your dad. Has your dad been a player? Mm. Your dad being a good player as well. Like yeah, how my, did that? My dad was a bit of a legend in Oldham. Played for Great Britain a few times, so he was always he was always a bit different because I think he saw that I had pressure on me that because I was Terry's son. I was always a pressure on me. So if I play bad, he'd make me feel, he'd make me feel better by saying, oh, you only dropped it four times, you know? <laughs> and like try and polish a turd a little bit because he knew that I played rugby and in Oldham I was Terry's son all the time. So that was a consequence of him really. So I think he was all, didn't feel guilty at that, but he'd always want to shield me from it a little bit. So yeah, I'd be my own worst critic, I think. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, no, I think I think people are either I think you can be crafted out of negativity or pos like or positivity, can't you? It's that in between, I think, where people get lost, where they haven't got anybody who's really critical or really positive about them when they're 
a kid. I do think that old old school, brothers, when I listen to you talk and, you know, about a lot of things in the game, you, you're old school still. Yeah. Are yeah, you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think I am. Yeah. I think um, it's a funny one. I got asked last week about the, the mental health issue, obviously, with, with what's going on with Jacks at the moment yeah. and what's been, been said. Um, and one of the one of the, the chaps from the press said, you know, I'm really I'm really big on this at the moment. I don't know if he's had issues recently, but it was it was one of them and, and I'm sure you two have been in the changing rooms. It, stuff like that one you know, you, you went home and kicked the cat. You didn't you didn't talk about nah. uh, you know, what was going on in between your ears. It was you got on with it and and I just think whether that is an old school thing or it's a new generation thing where they feel comfortable talking more comfortable talking about it I don't know but it's not something I've um, you know, I can't imagine me going in a change room with Brian McDermott and Bernard Dwyer and, and Mike Forshaw and you know, telling them I'm struggling a little bit. I don't know that I'd have got. I don't know that. I don't know <laughs> I that reception. Know, I, I you know how it got. Yeah, yeah. I'd have probably got bolted out back into the other one. It took me seven years to get in there, changing room. So I'd, I think I'd have been kicked straight back into the other one. So, so if we took ten-year-old Lee Radford and took him out of Brand's own tough upbringing, tough love at home, but in a, in a in a good way, not it's not always a negative thing, and then put you into the modern world in a home environment. How alienated do you think you'd feel by all that? I, I think I'd have been a bully. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Genuinely, I think I think uh, um, some of the stuff we did back then, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't be acceptable today. I don't think. Um, and it's funny listening to, you know, my assistants, coaches have both got daughters and sons who were at that ten and twelve, and um, you know, some of the things that parents have said to them about their sons, what they've, you know, said to the sons and daughters. Um, I'm scratching my head thinking, well, that was an everyday thing that, that, that occurred when I was that age. So, um, it's, look, it's, it's the way that, of the world, I suppose, at the moment. It's not something I particularly agree with, um, whether that's old school or just being a grumpy old man. I, don't, I generally don't know it? what that is. Are you resisting I'm trying my best. the modern yeah. world? Yeah. You I are? Am, I've, I've, so you've not got TikTok and Instagram? No, I'm not, I'm not in any form of social media, no. I, just, I ain't got a temperament to be no. on there, I don't think. We well, all like that, aren't you? You're a, yeah. an old school. Yeah, my, da my dad's old school. old school. My dad was an old school fella, you know, he's a mm. big, big farmer, tough, tough fella. Um, not good at talking, like, you know, say talk about your feelings. Yeah. I don't think my dad's strength has ever been maybe talking about how he felt. Give me tough love, you know. He, he, uh, there was clear lines with my dad. If I got yeah. it wrong, like, there was consequences and I think, mm. For me, like when it, it, it was like imprinted on me that I had certain things, expectations I had to deliver, you know? Mm. And I, th I think there's something in that, but I don't know if it's been lost or what, but it's certainly changed. And I feel like it's changed really quickly as well. I don't think it's like maybe flashy. It's a recent thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I think you're maybe rad as me, you, and I think then maybe the generation down and then mm. the next one, it's, it's really changed quite quite quick really quick really quick I said this last week we we I went and watched the academy play last week and they'd, they'd been beat so I love the fact that all gone in the, the changing room straight after the game obviously the opposition team was all getting selfies after the game which you know again is selfies with a family in the stand and again it's not something I'd ever done guys mobile phones and, and particularly photography mobile phones went out then and 
within 10 minutes, our lads had come back out having been beat and was then getting selfies. And yeah. I also <laughs> found out not only had that happened, but some of them had started eating the pizzas after the game before the coach had got in there. So I'd gone from being pretty proud of you know the fact that they've gone in the change room, got their heads down, <laughs> it hurts to lose, go home, sulk about it for a, a day, and then tomorrow comes, you're happy again. It just done. Do no. you know when you talk about competitiveness? That that's been. I, I don't know where that's got been lost. Yeah, yeah, that was that was that's always been the norm in the dressing rooms I grew up in as a young lad was. You, you, everything to win, and then when you lose, you're devastated. Or you, 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 you at least won't project that you're not asked having selfies or having pizza. I remember you saying a few years ago, and what name than the player, but you lost in a playoff semi, and straight afterwards, all he wanted to know was what everyone's wearing fancy dress the next day. From Mad Monday. Yeah, yeah. And that, that I remember you telling that story, and it yeah. pissed me off for about a couple of hours. Yeah, I, st I struggle with the modern stuff, but. I don't know. I, th I think times change, don't they? As well, like, and you can we can sound like absolute dinosaurs, dinosaurs here, yeah, like, and we probably yeah, and we probably yeah, do. Yeah. We've probably lost fifty percent of viewers here. Yeah, no, they've switched the off already. Man, they switched they've off. Gone, as soon as they saw gone. you in your full training kit, they turned <laughs> off. <laughs> but I was trying to think, right? If the things in the modern game that maybe players are doing now, that if you put that in a changing room with Bernard Dwyer, what do you think would annoy him the most? Do you think it's the post-match, thanks to the fans clapping in front of like an, a stadium? There's what the the social media tweet. Sorry about the game. On to next week. Yeah. Fans was awesome. Yeah. Just don't shout apologize. out to just, the boys. Yeah. Don't apologize. Just play better. Yeah. yeah. Just play better <laughs> than you did. <laughs> so it's just, that's we have to get equation. Bernard Dwyer in. <laughs> what, <I think laughs> we need we to. We need. You need to get that money. We we'll get Bernard Dwyer in and just go through the social media <laughs> output of Super League players, <laughs> and then we'll 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 get him. He can just make a cut, can't he? Say anything anything worse than this, and you're out. So you talk about like tough love, tough upbringing, but a good upbringing. Yeah. And then rugby league, at, at ten years old, go to Cot Tigers. Uh, Cottingham for again for people who don't know Cottingham's a nice part of Hull, isn't yeah, it? It's yeah, a good, it's a, a, it's a good, a good spot. And yeah. and uh, so talk us through that. Then did you, did you at ten was that your first time you'd played rugby league? Yeah, no, I played it in on on the fields and in, and in the you know some stuff, but in the streets. Um, but never played it for a team and never played it at school. Um, but from there, obviously, you know, really enjoyed it. Was was okay at it as well so you know love the applaud as well um and then from there it just became a little bit too much from from brands home to to cottingham is a, it's a trek particularly at five o'clock when yeah. you're getting there for six so when you're training two times a week um i ended up going back to old boys the old old the old old boys um so right. training I in east park I yeah yeah boys, with yeah. jim brown um and then the year i'd gone there it divided into masons turned into masons which Obviously, yeah. your former club, um, and it was all over a, a tour to Spain. My, the, our team wanted to go to Spain. They raised a lot of <laughs> money bus. to go to Spain. On the bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, well, was it the dads who wanted to go to Spain? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll play like yeah, every touch on the wanted to go to Spain. <laughs> so, so that they ended up splitting um, from all boys going to Masons, um, and it was worth it. It was a fantastic trip and we ended up doing it for a few years after that but um it's funny on them trips you saw one of the beauties of this game you make friends for life and yeah. that was that was certainly the case on that yeah and then so from there to we'll get to Hull Sharks you know and the, the debut for Hull Sharks but how quickly along the journey were you thinking 
or did you ever think actually this could be something you know for me I'm, I'm good at this or was it something that you stumbled across yeah I think I think 15 it, it, and it came really quick so I went from signing halfway through being 15 to making my debut at 16 for the first team and it's yeah. it just come from uh, there was a bit of disappointment at school level I never got picked for England schools at under 16 and that was a real that was a real drive it killed me that um that's and in, looking that's back in, that's interesting though isn't yeah it? Mm -hmm. is I, that, I I I feel like young careers need that and a piece of adversity don't yeah we? and it's funny when you see that now when kids and I, and I say this a lot when kids you know we put so much focus on on scholarship when kids don't get selected you know obviously I've I've been involved in the amateur game in, in a long time when kids don't get you know I've seen kids quit because they've not been selected for mm. either role or rovers we? we lose them at 16 and yeah. When I look back, I'm thinking, well, that was my motivator. That was, you know, I, I don't know, obviously, wired differently, but um, that adversity was a kick up the ass for me. And um, so was that 12 months before you made your first team debut? Yeah, yeah. And but I, I genuinely don't think I'd have made my first team debut if that didn't happen. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure you've all had similar experiences at some stage of of I won't say adult life because it won't, but your professional. Not professionals, but sort of amateur professional careers. Yeah. What was there a point, Flash, in your young sort of playing career that you think it could have gone one way or the other? Yeah. Well, I, when I was 16, I was never the best in my team, but there was two or three lads that signed for clubs, and they were like they go on the national camps and sign for clubs and do all the scholarship training, and every Sunday we'd play a tough team and they'd cry off, and it used to make me think why because they didn't fancy because they were already signed and thought they were already on the way. And that was the, probably the motivator for me because I, I'd play and I'd rip in with my mates and then I knew that I was, I was more geared for it than they were. And then from that, I kind of got an opportunity and then just took it from there really. But yeah, yeah I was, I think missing out or not being selected drove me to, to train a bit more or to, or to just try harder really. Yeah, I think failure builds resilience, doesn't it? And, and, and like we've got to expose young athletes to fail yeah. more. And, and instead of being about the tracksuit and being about getting a contract, about Possibly putting out on social media that you've 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 made it, the actual concept of made it, making it, for me is an alien thing because throughout my full career I never felt like I made it. Mm. I, I never felt like I made it. I felt like I was doing it, but I hadn't made it. And I think we're too quick to try and put young people into the the, the mindset that they've made it, that they've achieved something, and and. I think slowing that down and putting adversity in there is just a better way to build some... I think it's difficult to slow down through social media yeah. because the minute they get the tracks out, the minute they, they set, there's a picture of them there and, and that's it, and that's all they're then acknowledged for. Um, again, a generational thing, I think. Yeah, yeah. I was like, just reminded me of a funny story. So when I signed for OKR, it was on, it's on the back page of the whole Daily Mail, but it's a bit like the social media of the past, wasn't it? Yeah. And me, me and my dad had a picture taken with a coach then. It was a guy called Dave Harrison. And um, anyway, my dad's trousers had folded in an awkward way. It looked like he had a massive stiffy. <laughs> so I signed for OKR. And you know what the East Old lads Look are like. Excited. My dad's on the back, back page yeah. and he just looks yeah. like he's got a giant <laughs> stiffy in his kicks. I'll get that. If we can fly that, I'll get the image for you and we'll just fly it in now so we can see it. I'll take a tape at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sky Sports News. Big Phil. My, my old man had been knuckling the, the week before. 
All his face was <laughs> out there. So there's a picture of me sat here with him in the background and he's got his face Slide on his side. So you couldn't see all his face that had swelled up. <laughs> so then all sharks, Radders, that, that was... Because um, that was a mad time for... Yeah, Hull as a like the Mad. club was crazy. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, Hull it was. FC. It was on the ropes, wasn't it? Yeah, at that time. So, so we was championship. It was all FC when I time yeah. it was all FC. Um, and then I think halfway through a season, um, David Lloyd, obviously um, the tennis player, came in and, and bought the club through uh, Tim Wilby and a, a chap called Peter Tunks. And Peter Tunks was a, an agent, obviously out in in Australia. We had a few blocks over here. Um, and it was the, you know, it was the saviour. It was influx of money, influx of cash. I think he bought Old City as well. He did. He bought the yeah, football yeah. club as well. And um, it started out rosy. I think we brought Alan Runt in from St. Helens. Precky came from St. Helens. Steve Booth came from St. Helens. We signed a load from, from Bradford as well. And um, everything was unkidori. And then maybe a couple of months in, um, you used to get paid in check back then. So you'd wait for your check on a on a... Friday, it's cash. Yeah, yeah, he's lying. Cash. yeah, he's yeah. lying. Not HMRC, 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 genuinely, HMRC all over check it. under his floorboards. <laughs> when cash. I was under sixteen, I was getting paid in cash. I'd go to the director's <laughs> room and get me two hundred and fifty quid. It was the best time of my life. Um, and then straight in tower for <laughs> tower for an hour. So, yeah, so it was checks, and and then we'd be waiting for the checks. Everybody'd be waiting for the checks. Then we'd get told the phone call. Oh, he's on the M sixty two. He's coming. And it just stopped, you know, we ended up spending the afternoon in, in Old City's um, reception. The, the, the bed or whatever we had there must have been fuming with, you know, we can imagine 30-odd pissed-off rugby players that have not been paid. Obviously, some of them had mortgages to pay. At the time, I was I was fine. I was on peanuts and probably still living off my mum and dad anyway. So um, it started going pear-shaped pretty quickly. Um, and then I got to to play in that championship a little bit. I think I made seven or eight games and, and Bradford came in for me. I'd played Yorkshire with Nobby by Noble and um, I met him and Matt Elliott at my house. And they offered me a deal, which I agreed to and signed. Um, then a month or two after, you know, decided I didn't, didn't want to go. So I got an agent involved and, and told him that, look, I want to stay at Hull. I've already signed at Bradford. He said, that's fine. We'll get you out with that deal and we'll We'll keep you at all, and it and it just carried on and on and on. I remember Steve Crooks coming down to a training session, saying they want you in the boardroom. Yeah, Crooks, yeah. <laughs> and um, I'd gone up, gone up, and they said we need you to sign this today, the contract for LFC. And I, I was, I'd, mobile phones weren't about then, so I've been trying to get on the blower to to ring the agent to say what what should I do. I was only, I think I was only 17, 18 at the time, and um, thankfully. I just got a photo signing the contract. The old Daily Mail again was ready yeah. to go. My dad wasn't there resigning this time. <laughs> and um, on the night, Bumbley Radford signs for FC in the old Daily Mail. With that, the agent left about three answer phone messages on my house phone. Bradford want hundred grand for you if you if you stay in that if you stay in that hole. So, so didn't know what to do. And then ended up going to a tribunal, and because Bradford had asked for hundred grand that's for me, me yeah, back me then that's messy. Me that, no, it, was, it was horrendous because at the time I was getting hammered, like yeah, well, yeah. obviously by the old, old fans. Um, so because Bradford had asked for hundred, when it went to tribunal, Bradford ended up paying hundred for me <laughs> to come from all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, back, that backfired pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> but what what? People don't realise is that hundred grand probably saved the club because they was done. They they went into liquidation after that. 
yeah. and it kept him afloat. So, so you're the saviour. I'd, I'd like to say yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm glad I've got. Lee, I'm glad I've got this on there. Lee Radford, yeah, the saviour of Hull Sharks <laughs> FC. Yeah. Gates, Gates yeah. Gates 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 Hull <laughs> Sharks. <laughs> so that was eight, eight games yeah. for a young guy, yeah. and then all this that that's a lot going on there, isn't it? That's that's big things. Was that the first time you were really scrutinised? Do you know where you felt like the attention and the spotlight was on you? I no, I didn't. I never felt like that ever. Never. No. Um, I, I didn't think it was a big. I don't. I don't know why. I just thought I took it in me. It was just what it was. It was a funny one. It was obviously it was. It was fantastic playing first team. You, you did it yourself at OKR. Yeah. And you, you was more bothered about going in peppies on Sunday night than you yeah, yeah. than you probably was rugby. You know, just as important at the time, socially. So, um, was it was it a big thing? Today, it probably would have you know made more headlines than it did yeah. back then. It was, it was it was under the radar. We, obviously, you know, there was no social media and there was no mobile phones. Yeah, and what year was that then? The Bradford. That would have been 96, 96. Nice. What, and what a time flash to be going to Bradford, oh. Bradford Bulls. Oh, when right? he was, we had as a speaker, then I was just trying to reminisce about the players that played from uh, late 90s, early 2000s. And they were, you were going to a good club then. That's when they were just coming into the peak out, weren't they? Let's yeah. get into it. Who was in, who's in the dressing room, Radders? Come on. So it was that. It was, it was Jimmy Laws. It was, it was Brian Mack. It was Bernard Dwyer. It was obviously Robbie. We'd signed Henry that year as well. So he had an, an aura about him at that time. He was the only bloke. Running about wearing white boots at that time, yeah. so he was he was pretty special. Mick Withers signed the same year, and obviously Scott Naylor had gone from Salford. It was, it was just an hard ass, um, an hard ass environment. I think. And how did that shape you? Be just coming in as a as a lad at eighteen, played eight games. How did it shape you going into that dressing room? Yeah, massive. Just um, the place itself was 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 different. It was a step up in intensity. It was a step up in. It was it was literally one. I can remember playing Saints on a. I made my Bradford debut on a Saints on a. I think it might have been an Easter Monday, and and we'd been hammered, been hammered, and it was an embarrassing performance. And obviously they'd they'd won it the year before, and they was right up there for contact. And I can remember coming into training the next day at Road and Meadows, and I'd set off at eight o'clock to get there for an half ten start, and I'd gone in, and I can remember seeing a couple of blokes like fall off the rowing machine, like like literally Paul Anderson had. You know, steam coming off his head, and I'm thinking, I've, I've got my times wrong here. So I went upstairs to apologise to Matt Elliott in his office, and he said, "No, we're not on till half ten. The day after the game, at, like a session that punished themselves. Like you can't imagine that happening anymore either. And it was, it was literally one of them. I, I even need to change what I'm doing quick, or I'm not going to stay in this environment um, very long. I think." And was it what, professionalism, or was just it just bang at it? Just the, the, listen, the, the, the weekend, the, you know, the, the was old school. The the, the socialised after a game, but when they came training, it was a different, it was a different gravy. And what did that do to you then mentally? Did like how quickly did you get up to speed? Real that 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 day was probably a big drive on by myself and I better shape up yeah. here. I think there's points when you walk into a dressing mm. room and I, and I felt it like when I was a young guy, I came from Hulkar to St. Helens and you walk in and you realise what you are doing is not good enough. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that's the power of like a strong dressing room or, mm. or a big club flash, isn't it? Yes. That moment where you're completely out of your depth. It's character. When I was, um, from when I signed at Salford, 2016 to when we got to a grand final, Challenge Cup final, I remember looking around a dressing room and seeing lads who've been in the 
played at the big clubs, Warrington, Saints, Wigan, and they've been in those environments and they've taken all that they that the, that the senior players are giving them in terms of um, like what, how to perform, how to train, just expectations. And we had a little bit of success because we'd fed that into the rest of the environment. But when I signed, there was none of that. And I think it's character. I think it's it's that culture that some clubs have and they keep going. But you need certain figures to, to kind of really carry the torch for that, don't you? And those days, I think... God, I, do, yeah, I sound old now. We do, it's been a real old interview, this. I was yeah. like three granddads. Yeah. But those days... You, you, right, let's list some names that were in that dressing room. You said Henry Paul, Robbie Paul. You know, you've got uh, McAvoy, you've got Withers. Tavita Vicona. came the, the year after. It was the Joe Vanganard. The, the, the team, obviously, you yeah. played against it plenty of times. It was... It was big, but big characters, right? Yeah. My point is, it, it not just big in character, it was big in its physicality as well, wasn't it? Yeah. It, it was an unnaturally, it was a ginormous team I, of big personalities. I think it was unorthodox at that time, wasn't it? I don't think anybody had seen a team where the two wingers was as big as the, the front rows. And I think that was um, a massive strength for it. And uh, Like you said, personality-wise, there was some... You know, Jamie Peacock, obviously, yeah, missed yeah. him as well. There was some real um, some real egos in there to, to manage, mm. but the, the chemistry of the group was, was phenomenal. And who were the leaders then? And, and what did, how did they lead? I, th I think Jimmy, Jimmy Laws was, was obviously massive in what he did, and he was just old school. He was... <laughs> I hope his missus didn't watch it, but he was fall out of a nightclub at 2 o'clock turn up training the next day and still beat everybody in conditioning. That was, you know, and I am joking, that got, that filtered down because Stuart Fielding, six years later, could do that. He could walk out of a nightclub and still win the conditioning. Mm. And I don't know whether that was a mental thing or it was a, it was just physically that fit. They, they had an influence on, you know, the likes of Paul Deacon, the likes of Leon Price, certainly myself and Stuart Fielding, that, that came up, you know, your Rob Parkers, that, that filtered through. Um, before them, I think. I think it's a real powerful thing when your best players or your best performing athletes, whatever it is, are the most influential as well and strongest characters. Yeah, and, and I think the example you set by turning up not at your best and then producing your best is massive. Yeah. You know, and I think that gets lost a bit. Is um, I always remember there was a time at Saints and St. Helens, I think it was 2005, signed Vinnie Anderson, who was playing for New Zealand at the time. And an amazing player, like class player. He didn't drink, he didn't really socialise an awful lot with the lads. And I remember going out with Wello on a Sunday and we got smashed and turned up to train on a Monday. And we were doing shuttles and I, I blitzed him. And I felt bad. And, you know, I was no, dehydrated, <laughs> I just felt awful. And I blitzed him. And I remember looking at him and thinking, I got, I got you covered here. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can't yeah. even come, you will not come near me. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And there's something in... We were chatting off air about, you know, habits players have. I think maybe one of the things, the big things that we can teach younger players is the ability to perform when things aren't ideal, aren't well, it's perfect. Rep it's representative of a game situation. So when you're not at your best because you're hungover, I'm not saying this is right, but when you're not at your best because you're hungover, you still turn up and give it your best. Well, on a match day when you've, you've got an injury or you've, you've done a lot of tackling or you, you're, not, you're not playing that well and, the, the, and you're down to 12 men, that's a similar kind of trigger in your brain that you need to turn up and you need to perform and you need to get the best out of yourself. So I think you can kind of use those skills that 
that you do on a, on a Monday morning from being on goal yeah. that you, you can take into a game to yep. a certain extent. Paul, we're not saying get drunk and, no, and play no. the day after. Not the day yeah. after, we're not. Well, Paul, give, it, Paul, give it 24 hours. Yeah, Paul <laughs> Wellens, is, um, his, his mantra was, I think it was train dry, play wet. So he wanted to, he was consciously dehydrating himself at the start of a week <laughs> and then gradually building up his hydration towards the back end of the week. But that would have been some time at Bradford, that, because that was a successful team as well, wasn't it? It's not, I know we're speaking lightheartedly about social stuff. I think at that era, all clubs were in a similar boat with that. Yeah. But it was an exceptional team, wasn't it? Yeah, I think, I think it was an elite environment at that time. I think it was a little bit ahead of its, you know, with, with what it was doing, pre-season camps, um, you know, we had a full-time kit, man. You'd, you'd, you'd rock up. I won't rock up like this. I'd rock up in your, in your normal gear. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah. Well, I used to go in my Bradford gear just in case. They didn't know who I was, obviously. So you'd go. Your kit was was laid out for you. Your boots was ready to go. The, the facilities and what they spent on facilities was, you know, heavy at that time. When you looked around different clubs, it was it was an elite um, an elite environment with the elitist players. I think. And what what year did you get there, Flash? I was there, two thousand and four, five, six, just as a and, academy. But could you see? Was that still there then? Yeah, I, I would. Sometimes the big clubs would have the young kids train and, and be tackling bags or just carrying the water or doing whatever. And I, I would be around these kind of characters and it kind of just observing how they operated was quite big for me. And and you'd do a conditioning session on the rower. And one thing that stuck out to me was the lads being sick, internationals being sick. And I was thinking, he's already really fit, but then he's pushing his body, so he's spewing up. And I can't, that kind of stuck with me that I had to do the same um, because that's the mentality they had to be the best. And uh, yeah, it was, it was eye-opening for me at the time, massively so. Was one of the iconic teams of Super League, Brad, is that? Yeah, I think the all three side was, to, uh, we did the treble that year. I think it was the first time it had been done. I think that was... And, I, and I probably you've done the same. You know when you get off a bus and you think you're ten points up before you've even got your yeah. kit on. It was it was literally one. And I and I don't know whether I felt like that because when I got off the bus there was a bloke stood there and a bloke who's that big and it was just a um, or it was a confidence thing because of how hard I knew that worked. It was um, I had an aura, a bit of an aura about that. 2003 said I felt I had a bit of an aura about it. How much did that imprint on you as a coach? We'll get on to talking about you as a coach, but. I look at your teams and I see big outside backs and I see whether that's by design or by who you've recruited or by chance they've just been there. But do you think that's imprinted on your subconscious somewhere? Possibly, yeah. I, I, it's the old mantra, a good big one's always better than a good, a good little one. And I don't know whether that's true or not, but I think, um, I think it's changed slightly lately with the six again rule. I think the game's sped up. A fair bit, the ball's yeah, in play a little bit more. And I just think, um, you know, not so much size, but leg speed is really important, particularly for middles now. Yeah. Um, and fitness for your outside backs is, is big as well. So a Leslie Vanacolo might not have been as good today as he was back no. then, because the game probably wasn't as quick and, you know, he wasn't as active on his pendulum. But when he carried the football, you had stud marks all over your chest. And, oh, no, you know, yeah. I, was, I was lucky enough only to play him on a couple of occasions. But... I can remember playing him, having played with him, thinking, <laughs> this, this, right, this, this, right, this is yeah. not right. Yeah, you just imagine being that 19, 20, looking up, you're seeing Shantane happy, Vinicola. <laughs> he, he, was, like, he was really, really, un, you know, 
as far as Super League centres go, so I'm saying happy was yeah. phenomenal. Was so silky. Yeah, oh, just but six just foot three, six foot four. Yeah, again, they had that yeah. class. Yeah, but it was an iconic team. I just just reflecting on Bradford then as a club. How sad is it, Flash? Really maybe sad. not. You know, they're they're on the men maybe, or or but but when you look at you, Radha speaks about this elite environment, and and that was the benchmark environment in rugby league. The best players, you know, lead setting an example on match day experience on on how the welfare of the players was looked after, you know, pushing things, kit changes, the yellow kit in, in 1997 yeah, yeah, at the Challenge yeah. Cup final. As a young kid, I, I couldn't have been more excited. You know, there's a team playing in this weird yellow kit <laughs> at, at Wembley, you know. They were innovating, pushing boundaries. And how sad is it now for the game to see where they are? Yeah, well, I used to go with my family to watch them against, not as a, as a Bradford fan, just to watch them play Leeds at Oddsall and there'd be 22, 23,000 regular. The atmosphere was unbelievable pre-match uh, um, entertainment and during half-time was, was up there probably, not as, as slick as NFL, but it was that kind of occasion where everyone had to be there and, and, and witness what was going on at Odsall. Uh, and it's really sad, but one thing I've noticed this last few years is the amount of talented players that have come out of Bradford, even now, to so look at your Batemans, Whitehead, obviously the Burgess brothers, Jake Tr uh, Truman, and there's, there's, there's plenty more, but the longer that Bradford are in Super League and they're not a force, I think you'll see that kind of talent from Bradford dwindle a little bit. And I think it'd be really sad for the game if we haven't got this a Super League club in Bradford because they were once a powerhouse club, probably a household name in, in rugby and sport in the country. And um, yeah, I think a strong Bradford is, a, is is better for Super League in the game. Yeah, special time in your life, that Radders. Very, yeah, definitely. And, you know, probably one of the best times in my life as well, I think. Yeah, what highlight? Um, the, the, the yeah no the 05 grand final was the right. was the one that, that that was my last game and that was everybody's last I think there was nine players leaving at, at that point is that when Moz played that's when Moz played that's yeah. when Andy Lynch um, got dropped for Moz yeah 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 <laughs> I it's funny I I had a panic attack after the game when we won it, so I couldn't breathe. I had a deep fit, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> deep. yeah deep fit. <laughs> so, <laughs> Wait, hang on a minute. You had yeah. a panic attack I, after, after the game. Just did, I don't know what happened. Generally, it's the first time it ever happened to me. Yeah. I just couldn't, <laughs> no comprende what was going on. So the doc was on and he had the old. Uh, so everyone celebrating the change. Uh, no, this was on the field. This on the was field. after the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we used to overcome with emotion. Just emotion, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can remember collapsing. <laughs> Oh, this is an exclusive. Day. <laughs> it is unbelievable. Embarrassing. He actually kicked me while I was on the foot. It was on the staff then. So. Yeah. Um, no, it was. It was. It was unbelievable. It was to sign off like that. You know, you couldn't couldn't have thought of a better way for going for a lot of people who, you know, friends for life people who stay in touch with you know frequently. Yeah, and full circle then. Back to back to FC now. You're much more senior sort of guy. You know, you're going back to a club that you'd started at. What was your responsibility there? Going from such a like a culture like Bradford, going back to Hull FC, and and how did that? Did that? Were you a leader when you went back? Is a, is a, is a, the question? I don't know about a leader. Yeah, I think I led by my action. What what I think what I got a lot of was what did they do at Bradford? What was you doing at Bradford? What even from the coaching staff, it was a a Q and A of what Bradford did because you know yourself when you're at the top of your, your elite, your top of your game as a club, everybody else wants to get a little piece of that and find out what's working for them. And I just think that that was definitely the case um, back then. We got off to a horrendous start. It was John Keir or Sammy. I think he only lasted six games, 
and um, a bloke called Peter Sharp came in who was probably one of the best coaches I've had, Pete. He was a, he was a fantastic fella. And what he, made him so good? He he was a he was very good technically. Wrestled one really um, want a real big part of the game back then, but it was just finding its way into the game. I think Melbourne had started some with with Donoghue over in Australia. He ended up coming to us, the wrestle coach from from Melbourne, and we ended up doing a bit with him. And um, he's he, ruthless, isn't he? Yeah, he, well, he was. He chucked a few few blocks out. I'll put it on him um, during that. So, Uch Mihave, he, he got he regretted that. <laughs> <laughs> he I've regret heard stories about yeah. this fellow. Yeah, no, he's a bit of an urban. Right, yeah. me, so I don't know this guy. So give John me, Donahue. I think yeah. he used to do a lot of grapple. Yeah, got you know, yeah. I, I don't think it was MMA back then, but he was he was on that scene, and he was. They, they didn't look much on him. Do you know what I mean? If you seen him in a pub, you wouldn't think, you know, this bloke's gonna tasty <laughs> so he got his shoes off and he had his bare feet that was it he was, he was done so and he was just it was unbelievable like using his own body weight it was just you know what they do what they're very good at he was again a bit ahead of his time but he'd, he'd sort of got a niche of how to how to introduce that into rugby and, and what the familiarities was and I just thought he did um, it was, you know when he came over it was probably something that had not been not till Maguire got over a couple of years after did that become um, a really big part of the British game, I think. But it was, we, I think we played you in the grand final that year, yeah. 2006, and we went on an incredible, I think it was a 19 game run at that time. For and If you looked at your side compared to ours, you, know, you was caked in internationals yeah, and we, yeah. was, we was a lot of nobodies really. Was, is, is there any truth in this? Because when we were prepping for that grand final, we got told that there was some sort of standoff about money at, true, at that time. True, true, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we, we um, well, that was one of the questions, what did they do at Bradford? Yeah. So we, the, the club had no expectancy of getting to a grand final. Um, so it's 48 hours team run. We'd been asking, as a senior players group, what's, what's, the, what's the reward, what's the reward? And it had been put off and put and off and put off. And it got to a point where, I can't remember the, the guy's name who was on the board, it was, if you don't come down and tell us what we're getting, we're not going to do team run. Which, looking back, was one of the, you know really big regret a man, but it but it could have been it should have been done round one. You know this is what you're getting if you get to a grand final. It's something I always do as a coach: if you win the Challenge Cup, this is what you get. Here's your financial reward, and here's your financial reward if you so get to a grand people final. People don't know there's prize money, isn't there? So prize, prize money yeah. for the grand final, prize yeah. money for a Challenge Cup, and correct. Yeah. An expectation at big clubs that there's a division or the players get yeah. a portion, and the club yeah, gets yeah, a bit. Yeah, so so that happened, and he came in and told us the figure, and then we found out you got more for losing than we got for winning. That was 1-0 to us at the time. Already, already, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, it, um, to make it worse, we'd, we'd got into the changing rooms and before we was going out to team run, they'd got us our suits. Well, they'd got them from Asda, George. <laughs> I, 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 I am not kidding. I had Barry Bethel's suit on when I put it on. We, like, I did this meeting in his suit. What was three sizes too big for me? It was, George, it Asda. Yeah, oh, it was... Well, that was, yeah. that, you know... What did they do at Brown? What did they do at Brown? And then when you told them, obviously, what you'd end the Should have told them they got our man, yeah. <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was a regret. But it, you know, if I'm being brutally honest, and you're being brutally honest on paper, I don't think we'd have, we got close, I think. We, we, yeah, we got yeah. pretty close, but we probably weren't quite, um, weren't quite good enough, unfortunately. Clubs need to go through that, though, a bit, don't they? Because if you don't get to big games, you sort of don't know the, how to behave the routine. In, 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 in sort of big environments. So for Hull, that was... It was a landmark sort it, of game. It was, it? but it never, never kicked on to anything. That was a, it was a spike that for, 
um, for a lot of years. And I can remember going, been there as a player and going back as a coach and being pissed off every year. You'd go to a presentation night and they'd show the Challenge Cup 2005 final. It was, it was 2013, like it was 2014. And I always used to think, I can't imagine a, a Saints or a Bradford or a Leeds showing cup finals from, you know, hanging on to that, yeah, that, yeah. that long ago. And, um, unfortunately, that, that, that's um, how the club was. Yeah. Let's talk about your relationship with coaching then, because it, it wasn't as though you got to the end of your career and you went, right, now I'm going to become a coach. You had a relationship with coaching all throughout your career, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, got asked to coach, he's still under eights, um, which ironically was uh, an unbelievable. So they, uh, Josh Hodgson played in that, that team. Um, Danny Alton was in and out, Mike Burnett was in and out, a lad called Liam Cunningham, he, he played pro. Um, Scott Spavin played at Hull KI. We, we ended up getting eight that made it professional from, from that team. I took them from under eights to under 16, so that was... Um, so you were coaching them? Yeah, yeah. That's big. Uh, well, this, imagine an eight-year-old kid. You know when you think about this player. now? So, so I was coaching them, and then in my second year, I got asked to do the first team. So I was doing the under eights or tens or whatever it was at that time, and then the first team as well. So I used to say to my missus all the time, "This is this is what I want to do when I finish, so it'll be worth it." Um, and she was she was fuming. Yeah, fuming. Oh, <laughs> some of the some of the well, she she was working at P&O ferries, and she'd come home sometimes, and the kids would be at my mum's because I'd have dropped her at my mum's. She'd have to then go and pick them up, then get them ready for bed, and then I'd come in obviously after my second training session. So when you look back, it was. Yeah, I don't think too many people would have would have been that um, dedicated to the, to a profession you're not getting paid for. And why? But, yeah, I was going to say, what attracted you to it? Yeah, do you know? I loved it. I don't know. I can't. I suppose I do know. I, I you know, I, I loved particularly with the first team socially, really, because I was coaching a lot of me lads that I knocked about without the time with the kids. It was just it was rewarding. I felt just just seeing them develop and. We had a really, like I said, we had a really, really good side. So, um, yeah, it was just something I really loved and really enjoyed. And, you know, probably decided back then when I finished, that's, you know, ultimately that's what I want to go and do. It's funny, we had Matt Pete in and he was speaking about his journey, you know, coaching at junior level, coaching kids, you know, for a long time. Do you think that's underrated as a route to get into, you know, you, you're a really established, well-known Super League coach now. But do you think that shaped and helped you become the coach that you are now, or was it just part of the process? No, definitely. I think there's some experiences there that that you, you know, because the East also we we was pretty. We won't, you know, we was top of the the national league at the time. We we won the grand final, and it was just dealing with different. You know, you just mentioned Gary Williams there. The, the, the lunatic we had to pick him up from prison some some Saturdays to come and have a run out for us. It was yeah. just dealing. You know, when when people speak about dealing with characters at, at the level we're at now or involved in now. I don't think I'll ever deal with some of us who was as mad <laughs> as some of them fellas. And that can only be a, a good thing, I think. And then from that, so you, you, you're coaching the first team and junior rugby, and then obviously your, the actual your playing career is coming to a finish. What was, was that always sharp in your mind that you wanted then to go into coach at Hull? Not, not so much at all. Just, just coaching in general. I think the the opportunity came at all when when Richard Agar went and Adam Pearson came in. Um, he employed um, Peter Gentle from Australia. Um, Sean McCrae. Sean McCrae was director of rugby 
And, and Sean McCradin, he he'd have been a sideline. Oh, he was he was yeah. in the box. He was commentating. Sean, he was yeah. commentating. He, um, yeah, he was he was different bomber. He was he's talked his way through through a career and done a you know you got to tip your hat to to somebody who can delegate as well as that. You've got nothing but admiration for. <laughs> so coaching flash, what's you know you you've never had an interest in it. Have you ever ever given it a blast? No, I think. I love rugby, but I just I love the spectacle, and I think um, sometimes when I'd see coaches doing video for hours on end before we got to training or scrutinising, you know, a review of a training session, I just it took the the love out of it for me. I think I think it'd be too yeah too much for for me. I think I, I like just to watch a game for eighty minutes and or, or play for eighty minutes, and I don't think I commit the, commit the time that, no. that these guys do. And, are you, obsessed? Are you obsessed with the rugby? Yeah, with rugby? I, think, yeah. I think you have to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, Completely. Yeah. I think I've got an ob- That's my personality. You've I've got an obsessive yeah. personality. Yeah, I have, yeah. So if you get into something, you're that's, fucking in. Yeah, yeah. All, yeah, all yeah. in. Yeah. What else have you been? Anything else? Golf. 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 During COVID, so obviously, <laughs> the restaurant I've got is on a golf course. I was the only person playing golf in England at that time. And honestly, I was on there. I was, I was getting to 18 rounds in every day. It was the best <laughs> yeah. time. Oh, I got obsessive over that as well, yeah. Yeah, but it was you know I really enjoyed it, loved it. Yeah. Loved is that is that your strength and your weakness then? Yeah, I think, in, I you, think you, if you, you ask people around me, sometimes it's a weakness. But I, you know, I don't see it as that. I, once you indulge in something, I, I love it. Yeah, talk about those early days at Hull then. So you get the first team coaching job. Some pressure there. Were you more nervous on your first team coaching debut, or you 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 playing? Um. Yeah, I think I think when the season started, I, I was, but it was it was a funny one. I'd, I'd been there, obviously as a player, a couple of years previous, and then as an assistant coach. So I'd heard a lot of the gripes, what things that the players wanted changing. But at the same time, a part of me felt, well, you've been under three coaches now. You was under Richard Agar, Peter Sharp, and and Peter Gentle, and they've all been run out of town, and you're still doing the same thing. So I was. I think I said to you, Ella, I was I was pretty ruthless in some of the. When I look back at some of my, my, my half-time team talks and some of my interviews that I did, um, I don't. I think I'd chose. Well, what's, what's the most ruthless? Come on, Brad. As um, I just there was, honestly there was. I said to Joe. I can remember saying to Joe Rundle, "You can't." Say, there was plenty of f's and bombs involved. And yeah, I yeah. Can remember getting beat by Feviston and saying, "Your salary is worth more than their full." Backland, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll shower <laughs> <laughs> And I think now, and I think if I if I if I went at somebody now like that, I, I don't know what the response. You know, they'd probably need counselling for a moment. So you've refined so. your style. I, I think I've had to, yeah. Or do you yeah. break? Do you but have but to I, take I, a moment? I, yeah, to... yeah. I think I've got better at that. But at yeah. that time, I, I just felt that was what was needed. I thought some players was taking that. Yeah, and yeah. I'd seen them do that as well. So I, yeah, there's method in it. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, yeah. I think I'd like pro- to say it was calculated, but I don't. It doesn't sound that calculated, does it? It didn't sound that calculated in that changing room. At times, it's good for a player to see the emotion of the coach, I find. Sometimes yeah. you need a concise uh, appraisal of the performance, but sometimes you need to see that the emotion, that they care, and what's really going on in the mind, I reckon. I've, I've yeah. had a few few Hon- sprays. Honesty. You, you're yeah. an honest coach, Radha, I think you? so, yeah. yeah. Like uh, Sometimes too, too much, I think. Um, but as I said, I think I've got better. I've got better. Adding my emotions a little bit better. 
Not much, big, but a bit. <laughs> a bit. Yeah, yeah. So some big Challenge Cup wins along the way there. And, and you know, you spoke about the ghosts of the past at Hull FC, so 2005 showing that and, and having to delve into your history to find success. How important for a club was it to actually have something to hang your hat on, you know, the 16, 17 Challenge Cup finals? It's just something you can't, that can't be taken away. Like, yep. not, you know, no, no big-headedness or it just something nobody done either. It was just, doesn't matter what happens now, that, that can't be changed now. You've done that. And that was a, some, a real sense of achievement for that. I think I played in the fair, I was assistant coach in the 13 final when, they said it was the worst Challenge Cup final in history against Wigan. Um, we got beat 13 nil, and it was, it was awful. Yeah. Um, and I can remember the, the night before that game, probably what a lot of teams have done pre and post. We, we had the old art to art, why are you, why are you playing and what does it mean to you? And I can remember a couple of boys, a couple of tears started and I can remember we got to Daniel Oldsworth and he came out with a statement and I'll never ever forget it. it if we don't win tomorrow, it's just another game. Before a Challenge Cup final, I just that was it. That had a big. I, I wanted to, as an assistant, I wanted to say something, but I, you know, it was a bite your tongue, and it was. Um, I think there were some things from that 13 Cup final that I learned and took notes would have done better if I ever get there. And I think, um, thankfully, we got you know a fair few of them right. Just one thing I wanted to pick up on was we spoke about characters before and players who come to have a big influence on others. How important was Gareth Ellis to those, you know, those years of success in the Challenge Cup? Really big, really big, and, and big as well because I, I felt like he was coming out of his shell. Um, his character was coming out. His presence was always there when he was in a room. You, you only have to look at the size of him. You know he's in a room, but it, but I handed him the captaincy gas, and he didn't. He, he isn't a natural speaker amongst amongst people. He's got so much better at it now, obviously, but at that time it was a it was all learning in progress I suppose but what he did on the field um, there's not many you've played with that you stand next to and you're a little bit in awe of he, he was he was one of them and you talk about challenges he he used to thrive on being an underdog and having some you know his leg hanging off and getting through that and still getting over his opposite number he, he you know you'd, you'd watch him do team running and you'd think god he looks busted to bits here I'm not going to get 40 minutes out of this bloke tomorrow and 80 minutes in, he's still whacking blocks and that. That's a. Uh, I've spoken with guys about this. That's a, he, he had a similar. He had a stud very similar to Martin, I think. So, no matter what guys did, it was it was not quite good enough. But it did all right. <laughs> it did all right. It did all right. So there's like great memories there, at Hull, and, and you're learning all the time. But there's there's a harsh reality to the job that you do, isn't there? That you know, is there an inevitability that at some stage you're going to get flicked? Nailed on, yeah. yeah. And, and not many, not many go out on their terms. And, and even when about, they do go out on their terms, like for example, Daryl last year, that you'd say that was his terms. He was going up to a. Even that ended a little bit sour. Even when you say, you know, it's, it's an amicable. I'm going to a, a perceived bigger club at the end of the year. I think even that ended. You know, whether that was with the spectators or the environment, I don't think there's ever, a, unless you walk with the grand final ring on you. I don't think there's too many um, fairy tale endings. And how does that sit with you? You know this, because your job has immediate consequences, whereas lots of people exist in life and there's no feedback or no consequences in there. Do you, does that sit heavy on you? Or is it... I don't, no, I think I've, 
Hull, you have to be a, become immune to that, I think, because it is it's mm. it's claustrophobic. It's you know you go to you'd lose a game on a weekend and then you'd be in Asda the following Friday getting ready for the next buying game a, buying buy, a suit yeah 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 buying a George <laughs> suit medium medium um, and I found a, what happened last week and I'm th you've just got over that do you know mm. what I mean you tried putting that to bed and you're having to die, you know and, and you have to you, you have to give them the time you know because otherwise you get called an arrogant so it's, it's uh, I, I think you Hull, Hull is, is, is unique. It's a unique um, city regarding rugby league. And it was a weird situation when you lost your job there. That was a, it was <laughs> it was bizarre, wasn't it? Watching yeah. it because if you give us a bit more detail, because you were there, you know, I'm, yeah, I'd be yeah, guessing. no, it was um, it was. It, I think bizarre is probably the probably surreal is probably another way of describing it. And it, it was funny. It was. My missus never comes to watch the games, and she came to that one for some. And I, I'll never know why it was. I don't know, I genuinely don't know, but it was, obviously I'd come down after the game, sat in the changing rooms waiting, for, there's two sets of changing rooms at, at the KC, one where the staff sit and one where the, the players sit, and I was waiting for the players to come in off the field, and the CEO, James Clark, said, oh Adam, you know, give it the old one of them, and that had never happened before, so that was a, then I got ushered off into a small bar, and, and obviously Adam said, look, I'm going to have to make a change, and it was one of them, not a problem. I, I understand. You know, it was a horrendous performance. Um, the couple of years before, we'd had a couple of collapsing performances where they'd yeah. give in, give in. Um, and I think, you know, look, looking back, it was the right time, and it was a, it was the right time for me. Though my pride, I wouldn't have quit. But it was, you know, it generally was the right time. Was it the right way of doing it? Definitely not. Um, so having been told that, um, I then go into the change rooms to tell tell the boys. Then I go into the other um, changing rooms again with the staff, thanked all the staff. And then I'm thinking, my missus is here. So uh, I goes out with, with uh, Capelli Asina and she found out obviously on, she was in the clubhouse in the, in the bar and she found out on the TV. So that was, she was, I was more worried about her than I was yeah. myself, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah. I, it was just one of the, you know, it was one of them things for me, but for her it was, when she don't go, she'll never come to another game. <laughs> Name a game again, I think. So, um, yeah, it was a, it was surreal. And then the day, you know, the day after, there's a bit of numbness there. But it was, there was relief. I slept that night. Really. Whereas normally, after that performance, I wouldn't. I'd have been up all night and I'd, uh, you know, probably watched it back three or four times because it was a televised game. Um, but I slept. I slept that night. That's the sign, then, isn't it? You think? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And what did you do? Do you forgive? Are you a forgiving person? Yeah, look, he's a, he, Adam is is very he's, he's in, you know he, he's emotional. He's an emo you only have to look at him when the sky camera you know when they score a try or the concede a try. Um, because I I'd had that relationship with him, I, I was very I knew what Adam was like, and um, a bit like my interviews after a game when I said I'd gone to town on players straight when you get a camera put in your mouth, uh, in your face. Sorry, I um, well, that's probably one of the moments for him. So yeah. Do I forgive you? Look, we've all done things. We've all done things that we um, wish you turn back time. You do it the day after, and you do it probably um, in a different manner. Yeah, it's a strange place to be a rugby club when your coach has gone. Mm. In yeah. those days after the head coach has gone, well, I think it automatically it's a quick win for a chairman or a chief exec because you get always get a response off players, don't you? I think you're doing it because. 
they're all, everyone's on edge. They're like, oh, does this new coach like me? I need to impress. And there's, I think you get a little rise out of place, but it's only short term. Then you get short term rise, but then it's, it's whether the new person is better long term for the club than the previous guy. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's a weird place, you're right. Yeah, what's the biggest mistake, Radders, do you think? If you made any mistakes then in that first stint as a head coach, what, what do you think was the biggest thing now, if you, if you had to take forward into your future sort of coaching career, what was the one thing that you... Um, prob probably my abruptness and... I I had to tone it down. I couldn't. I wouldn't have lasted. I wouldn't have got seven years there, being how I was them first two years. I had to, I had to um, pull back from the media, what I was saying in the media, and probably what I was saying in front of the group as well. Um, I was I was too um, too direct and too to the point. I think. So what? Obviously, you, you you're out of work at this point. And then what? When do you start thinking about? Did you need to get back into work or did you have a period where you no, think, right, COVID, I'm COVID happened yeah. the Wednesday. Yeah. So we all, the, the country went into lockdown. So you started playing golf three I times playing a golf, day. yeah. So literally it was... Handicap came down. Yeah, oh, alcoholic and, and an unbelievable golfer at that point. <laughs> Sounds like John, John Daly. Daly. John John Daly. <laughs> but it was, it was so, that, so that happened. And then where, where we are, it was, a, it was a niche. So you could sell takeaway, you takeaway alcohol. Yeah. So we... The, the lodge where what, what, where I was, we started to it, the, on Sutton. There's a public footpath there, so we could sell alcohol for people to go on the golf course. Well, it ended up becoming a beer festival. So <laughs> I ended up getting doormen to to end up getting like eight eight doormen to to manage people That's on this the golf, golf course. course. It, was, it was the best year, honestly. It was yeah. a, I'd a during that time I'd agreed to go to Dallas um, rugby union, obviously, yeah. and. But at the time, I'm thinking, well, this is, this is, I don't want this to end. This COVID's <laughs> the best thing that, I shouldn't say that. This, you know, this situation is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I'm stress-free. The golf game's going through the roof and I can actually drink six pints without needing a taxi home now. So it was, <laughs> things was on the up. So then that, what was yeah. the attraction to America and rugby union? And um, yeah, just a, a, a chap called Alan Clark, who was the Ospreys coach a couple of years ago, he, he came to Hull and watched us for, for a week. And um, obviously when I, when I got, the, got the flick, he, he got in touch a couple of months later and just there's a new franchise starting up in, in, in the States. I even, didn't even know it was going on out there. So obviously started to have a little look at that and could see that it, what's happening now, it's starting to get big. Mm. Um, and it was just something, you know, I'd actually played rugby union when I finished playing league and I'd coached rugby union, whole rugby union as well for 12 months. So um, it was something I was, you know, intrigued by. Um, and it was a, you know, it was, it was a way, which was, which was a difficult one, but it was only half, half of the year. So I'd be home for, for the back half of the year through summer. Um, so it was something I was, you know, it was, it was, hopefully going to be a, a start of a path obviously to get involved in in rugby union this this side of the world how does your personality translate into american i don't know then did uh, you yeah, do all right yeah, yeah i reckon i'd have gone all right <laughs> they're, all, they're, all <laughs> they're very enthusiastic yeah, though, aren't they? yeah yeah, yeah. really really positive when when you see the facilities they're training in as well you know dallas they're at the they're training at the dallas cowboys facilities. And obviously, I, when I rock up to Cass every day, I'm thinking to myself, this, this can't be right, this. <laughs> what, so what have I done wrong? Have done? <laughs> so, Castleford then, let's get on to the, this year, now you, you know, what you've done with Castleford so far. So, from the outside, Flash, tough job. 
mm. taking over from, mm. you know, say Daryl Powell, who's, you know, had a, a long period with the club. That brings some challenges, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think um, Rad has alluded to it before, like, for a long time he was he was the man there, all the fans loved him, and whoever followed him was always going to be a tough job, and uh, I think there's been a, a good, there's been a decent turnover of players as well, which at first I thought was a negative, but in hindsight, I think, you know, with a new coach having new players and a new start, it's, it's good, pretty good, really. Uh, and we've seen these last couple of months how well Castle been playing, so they like good rugby, it's a great place to play, and it's it's a real part of the community, the rugby club, isn't it? It's massive, yeah, and uh, you probably, I think you alluded to it, when, when you pull into the town, you know, you, you, you can't drive past 10 people without one of them having a bit of casky. Love a singlet. I'm representing it's not, it's today. It's not a t-shirt, they love no, the singlet it. there. Yeah. It's the yeah, best. Yeah. And they like pairing yeah. it with the NRL shorts, I find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, um, it's, rugby, it's rugby mad. Um, and when, you know, when I always remember 17 when there was when there was flying and I can remember, you know, we'd go to Brid or Scarborough for a day in the summer and just the amount of people in casky in and I think that was obviously their holiday venue at that point, but it was... You know when when they're doing well and the the the, the club's doing well, the, the town's buzzing. I think. Mm. Yeah. And how do you rate the start of the year for you, for you guys? Like what? How it's yeah. Um, the start was horrendous. Yeah. Start horrendous through injuries. Um, <laughs> the suspensions at that point was something we've never you know never been involved with. It's, again, you know the the, the the petrified of the old concussion, which I understand. Um, but at that time, it was. It was so frustrating. Um, it just won't, you know. It's thankfully it's it's, it's gone in the other direction again. Um, but at that point, I I just couldn't understand where people agreeing with it. You know, I think I said a couple of times um, there was a, a suspension. In, I think round three of Beretta for Emo literally brushed somebody's fringe, and that, again that wasn't the game that I'd grown up playing, and wasn't the game that I admired and loved to watch. And when I could hear the commentary and people saying, "Well, this is." The players are going to have to adapt, and I'm thinking, well, what, what are we actually going to have to adapt to? Yeah, this because if that's the game, then um, but it has gone back, hasn't it? It's just gone, quietly, you know, yeah, subtly, <laughs> subtly, and, and it's funny, you know, you, you, the coaches meeting. It's your coach has done a great job of, you know, getting your players to <laughs> learn the new rules. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 we have, we have a fantastic. Fantastic job, coach. It's, yeah. um, it had to. It happened in Rugby Union 12 yeah, months yeah, prior. Yeah. Um, any head contact, boom, you're off, you're gone. And it was 10 minutes for everybody. And I, and I think the same thing happened. What's disappointing is we, we didn't learn from that when we when I think we could have. Um, but I understand it. I understand we've only got one insurance company and you know that insurance company is very, very fragile in terms of where the concussion yeah. is going. So we have, to, we have to do right by the players. Um, and I think the protocols that are in place are a significant improvement of what's gone before us. Um, but that, that six-round period was... was Crazy. Crazy. And could have cost somebody a job, you know, genuinely. Yeah, we, yeah, I think yeah, we yeah. was top of the league for sending-offs. Top of the league um, for yellow cards, but bottom of the league. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's a bad And you know what? No, you, get you, a twitchy, you get a twitchy yeah. chairman. That, yeah. that, that can lose somebody a job. And mm. thankfully, it's like I said, the, the dust seems to have settled and the, the yeah. waves have calmed a bit. Well, let's um, talk about the last the last six weeks. Let's say you, yeah. you've got to be de delighted, really, with with the effort from your team, the output that your team, you know, the the the, the rugby that you're playing has 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 been great. Yeah, please, re really pleased. And you know, we, we, it's taken a while to convince, you know, some 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 blokes. 
really focused on the on the, the your, your intent and your attitude and and not so much the detail of what's going on in the game and getting to this point for that play and it's it's the intent that you apply that with and if you make a mistake doing that well you've got some intent in your d you can you can mask that and get away and cover that and still win a game of football and i think that's there's there's been some real buying from that over the last sort of month and a half in their effort areas you know whether that be kick chase or whether that be getting off the ground when you when you're under fatigue they've they've really bought into that these last four or five weeks six weeks I don't think it's a coincidence we've picked up results during that period as well you always find that the attitude and intent is going well for a team when you've got injury suspensions lads playing out of position was Greg Egan in the half even yeah, in the half yeah, yeah. like st- Wally Lewis out there yeah. and you still find <laughs> a way to win if if things are going against you and you kind of find a why to win, that's that's a real good test, I think. Yeah, rugby league can be you can be as technical as you like with rugby league, but actually you can be as simple as you like as well. And, and there's a balance to be had, isn't there? It's being deeply technical, but also having the simple things right and and the effort areas in the game, the 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 physicality of the game, for me, never really changes. You know, we we change the techniques and we change certain things. The rules, the rules. Yeah, yeah. no, exactly. Yeah, but we're yeah. tinkering with all these bits. But underpinning the best teams in the competition, you know, Wigan and St. Helens, is effort. Yeah. It is intent as well. And I think that's in any sport, in, a, so in any walk of life. You know, the, the people that you had or have admiration for, teams you have admiration for, have got that in abundance. And I think, um, I don't think that will change. And trying to get that every week is, is a difficult, you know, difficult thing. And the teams that do nigh on win the competition most yeah. seasons, the team that's done it the best over the last four years, have won the competition over the last four years in St. Helens. You know, you looked at some of their efforts early on in the season, particularly on sort of the kick chase and things like that, and blokes that had just made three tackles previous and still, you know, tear assing down there. It's, it's admirable. And when you're, when you're shifting mentality a little bit in a group of players from the technical and the detail and the, um, the, the focus being on that to the, to the core, of what we do as a game, that's 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 been. Um, it, I didn't think it'd be that a challenge, and it has trying to ingrain that. Yeah, it's funny we were having a chat. We were with uh, Johnny Burstow, the, the England cricketer today, and we said about intent, and he's been playing really well uh, for England. And and one thing he said, and it just sort of stuck with me when you were saying about just having intent about what you do, is uh, you know he'd go into bat and he'd just be you know just trying to get in, play it safe. Or, you know, just, just try and get his bat on the ball. And then he had a change in mindset and he went, I'm just going to fucking twat this. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. And, and sometimes in rugby, you know, like Gaz Ellis just thinks I'm going to whack you, doesn't he? He doesn't think I'm going to get my right foot in yeah, this position. Yeah, yeah. So intent is infectious. Yeah. And intent sometimes just is, is the only way, isn't it? Because yeah. you played with intent. You played your whole career with intent, Radders. That's because I weren't very good technically. <laughs> is that what it was? <laughs> but do you know what? There's been, there's been I'm, you know, you can name so many players that have that have had that and you've got so much admiration for them and their effort areas. Um, yeah, it's a competitiveness. Again, you know, trying to ingrain that in... in the team, the club, the youth, whatever that is, that's you know one of the most difficult challenges as a coach, I think. Yeah, and Flash cast this year, where, where can you see him getting to? The, 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 there's a big chunk in the mix for the playoffs, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. I think start of the season, you probably didn't think they'd made the playoffs, but the way they're going now and on the day, they're, they're a match for anyone. I think the top two are going to be hard to beat. I think Wigan and Saints are, have, 
I think Wigan have been really impressive how they've kicked on this year. They've been so much better than the previous years and Saints are Saints. But I think Huddersfield have been good. Cass, obviously. Uh, Catalan, I think they're, they're all kind of battling just for, to, to compete with the top two for me. And the end, Radders, is to just get your timing right this year, isn't it? You know, get players yeah, back. Yeah, I've, I've seen that happen. I've seen that happen where you just sneak in and, and the all five season, we, we crept into the we kept, crept into the top six and went on, a, I think it was an 11 game winning streak and, and won the grand final that year. It's, you know, that can happen, but it's I'm a realist that there's only four clubs ever won the grand final. And, yeah. you know, that, that tells you how difficult it is to break that. Um, we'd need an, an awful lot of things to go right for us to, to get that. But um, if we can hand on out, say it's not for a lack of effort. Um, you know, I'll be really proud and really proud. Like you said, it's it's a really tardy trait to have when there's a couple of obstacles thrown in your way to carry on scrapping and, and keep swimming against the tide, which I think we have been. You know, and I, I don't want to get too carried away because we've got a big one on Friday. Um, it's a it's an impressive trait to have as a team. I think. Yeah, well, it's been fascinating yeah, really uh, yeah, having you on, mate. Good to hear about Thank you. I think we hear a lot about, you know, what you do now, but it's more interesting how you got to where you got to and your obsessive, like, personality, <laughs> how much you love the game. And then I think applying all of that robustness, the toughness, the old school, but then having to refine it into, like, a modern workplace, you know, <laughs> it's like a challenge, isn't it? And and we wish you, like, all, all the best, so... Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. Right. Yeah, our pleasure. Well, that was uh, out of your league. That was Lee Radford. Really interesting stuff there from Lee. Uh, download this podcast and all the other podcasts from wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, good evening.